Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. Just say no to family values. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. I'm one of your co-hosts this afternoon, R.C. Weslowski. And I'm your other co-host, Pamela Bentley. And we're very happy and very lucky to have in studio, traveling from Santa Fe, New Mexico, via Banff, Alberta, Jax McNamara. Hi, Jax. Hey, thanks for having me on your show. We are very happy to have you. So, as we like to say, we get our guests to uh, start things off with a poem, so... Take her away. All right. This poem's called So Many Ways to Be Beautiful. This is a story about when your mom died and a boy loved you and a boy left you and a girl loved you and you left her and your dad left too. This is a story about the neighborhood with singed wings and pride like a barbecue smoking out back. This is a story about not giving up over and over again. This is a story about believing you have a broken heart, not a mental illness. Hmm. This is a story about the ache you come home to every night and learn to hold in your arms like the child you once were, even though no one held you in their arms back then. This is a story about becoming capable of leaving enough space between words that someone else can read your story too. This is a story about learning to cook, squash, cut hair, connect pipes, drive stick, mix flesh tones, lay down loops, fix your brakes, grow garlic, get consent, and take no prisoners. This is a story about bleeding a poem, wearing a cock, making a skirt, hiding your shame, knotting a tie, and using the heel of your boots to bring her home. This is a story about the end times and the way they become the beginning if you survive. The empty hours, the end of June, pull your mother's ring off the shelf where it slept with a lock of her hair since the moon went black. Light a candle and know you were loved. Pull a song from your throat and a stone from his lungs and remember that you are stronger than all the nightmares, ghosts, and police. This is the shape of almost but not quite home, okay, a perfect horrible city where brown boys get shot by white cops, where white girls cry while helicopters fly over and over the backyard, where babies are still learning to walk and the fog always cancels July. Shape of sound, shape of sky, shape of too many names for nowhere and nowhere left to hide. City of potholes, city of angels, city of passion flowers, salt and song. What if? What if we finished what we started? What if we brought the pigs down? What if we wrote the books that no one else is writing about the lives we are still living, the bodies we are still loving, the signals we are crossing, the men at the border, the women on the street, the people with mismatched pronouns, fucked up hair, bound breasts, pink heels, striped pants, gender dysphoria, and so many ways to be beautiful that only the school children can find the names. What if? What if we brought our gospel home? That was great. Thank you. 
What are you reading from? You're reading from... Um, I'm reading from my book, which came out last year. It's called In Between Land. It was put out by Deviant Type Press, which is a radical press out of Oakland, California. And people can get it from Deviant Type? The best place to get it right now is actually through AK Press, uh -huh. which is a distributor. Um, I mean, you can get it on Amazon right. and all of those places, but AK Press is the best place to get it. And will you have some of those with you at your, because your, your, you're going from here to a workshop and then mm -hmm. to a performance tonight. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm going to be featuring at the Vancouver Poetry Slam tonight, and it's their annual Queer Poetry Slam Championship, which I'm super psyched to be featuring at as a queer poet. Um, and yes, I'm going to have like 15 books for sale at that event. And then I'm also facilitating a writing workshop at Gallery Gachet very soon at 4.30 p.m., um, that is called Writing Ourselves Alive, and it's going to be a combination of writing from prompts and the imagination and looking at some of my favorite poets and talking about how we write our experiences of the world. Cool. And that's at 4 or 4.30? 4.30. 4.30. No. Wait. 4. I think it's at 4. We've been telling people 4. So yeah. let's say it's at 4. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> you don't want people missing part of it. Yes, no, let's say it's a four And you have some connection to Gallery Gachet. I do. One of my really old friends is one of the folks who helps to run the place. Um, and it's a, for people who don't know, it's a gallery specifically for artists struggling with different emotional experiences that get <coughs> called mental illness in our society. Um, and I do a lot of work in radical mental health um, with an organization called the Icarus Project. And Gallery Gachet has brought me up several times to facilitate mm. different mental health workshops. And currently there's an art show up from the Icarus Project that I have a lot of art in. So I also came up for the opening of that. Cool, and you're wearing an Icarus Project t-shirt for all those folks out there. Totally not intentional, but... <laughs> oh, I'm sure it was. Subconsciously. Um, now, you mentioned in your poem, I thought something that struck me, um, noticing the difference between heartbreak and mental illness. Yeah. Because um, oftentimes falling in love has been considered, you know, a form of, you know, mental illness or disturbance. Mm -hmm. and you're crazy uh, in love. Yeah, I'm just curious as to what you might think, where those things overlap even if they don't mm -hmm. necessarily the definition but you know of, of that create because when you get into heartbreak you're mm -hmm. you're not of yourself in a way mm -hmm. and then you come back to yourself perhaps but mm -hmm. slightly different where do you think those hmm. states overlap or how do they overlap it's a really interesting question he asks good questions yeah i mean i'm thinking about it on two levels because when i wrote heartbreak in the poem i was speaking less about heartbreak from personal love relationships mm -hmm. and more heartbreak because of the world we the live world, in yeah. you know very few of the people I meet who are diagnosed with mental illness don't have their hearts really broken whether it's by family trauma they grew up with whether it's living under capitalism and patriarchy you know there are a lot of things in this world that break our hearts and yeah. I feel like if we are sensitive to that and we can't turn it off and it causes us to have symptoms quote-unquote it's really easy to get diagnosed with a mental illness mm -hmm. and place the problem within the individual rather than looking at the structural forces that are causing us to experience despair and all kinds of extreme things. And I think that falling in love can make us fucking crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> it definitely has been known to do so for me. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely one of my biggest potential triggers for eventually having a hard time. Yeah. Yeah, there's that, that sanity that's involved with reacting to what's going on in the world that often is seen as an insanity when you question it, right? When you step out of the mm -hmm. ordinary and... Or if you react too strongly yes. for people to handle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, also, I was curious, 
there was something I don't remember the line exactly, but something along the lines of writing our own stories, mm-hmm. or it's or the stories that we don't necessarily get mm-hmm. um, in, I guess, in the normal narrative of things. Mm-hmm. I think that poets, performance poets, or poets in general, or writers, are able to do that because mm-hmm. that's a lot of the time. Like especially like you go to the poetry slam or or smaller independent readings and stuff like that. You're hearing stories that you're not generally going to hear mm-hmm. on you know either you know forget about mainstream media just in, in general on advertising i guess that's mainstream media but yeah there's something Mm -hmm. about poetry that allows you to talk about things in a different way or to get at things in a different tangential way i think don't Mm -hmm. do you find you're able to do that with your work oh definitely definitely or that's the thing you want to do with your work for me poetry comes out of a place and by that i mean my own writing of poetry that's very i usually talk about it as being about associative logic rather than like deductive logic Mm -hmm. like the associations between things, what Mm -hmm. a song makes you think of, what Mm -hmm. a tree makes you think of, what that thing you saw walking down the street, like it taps into pieces of, I don't even know if I want to say the subconscious, because I feel like it often surfaces things I've been paying attention to and didn't know were affecting me so much. And the poetry becomes a place where they can have a voice. Like Mm -hmm. when I was writing the poems in this book, I was living in Oakland, California, and specifically in West Oakland, which is a really impoverished and pretty violent neighborhood. And I would find that my poems kept mentioning violence. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't something I was consciously walking around thinking about all day. But every time I wrote a poem, it appeared. Because it was there in your life. You know, there's this line in one of my poems, violence that sticks to your skin like the fine dust of late summer sticking to everything. And it was like that. These things would come up for me. Mm -hmm. Is that in your book? Yeah. Would you like to read that poem for us right now? Oh, sure. (laughs) Um... Let me look up. Since what we have both your on. book and you here in studio. Yes. Yeah, let's do that. That'd be good. Um, all right. The poem we'll is just, called. We'll just warn people that the content of the poems may include some language. Yes. There may be some language. There may be some language. Poems. You know what I mean. <laughs> some strong language, some explicit language. Some Sorry, yes. I'm not the best at not swearing. No, that's okay. Um, we just, we just have to give the warning and then. Yeah. Okay. So this poem, it's part of a series called Love is a Messy Broken Thing. And this is part five, West Oakland. In my fingerprints, flotillas and femmes, a conspiracy of crushed colors, good intentions, dry blood. I rinse the pigment from my skin, attempt to return to this corner lot where the sky is breaking, the stems of flowers crackle like bleached bones, the sun leaks and birds hide in the shelter of one almost tree. Here, it is morning. From a pitched roof, two gulls keep watch over the chain-link fences, sleeping guns, pale roses. I notice the light on my feet. I remember the drone of endless helicopters. Think of my housemate's bruises from a beating down the street. I hear violins and trash trucks, smashed glass and bacon frying. I wonder about the shape of peace. Gulls depart. I notice the violence settling in the creases of my skin, almost invisible, like the fine dust of late summer that sticks to everything. I like that idea of associative logic that you mentioned earlier in that poem kind of demonstrates that all the things that are coming up. Yeah, it's very rare that I sit down to write a poem with a specific topic in mind. Mm. I'm not one of those people who's like, today I'm writing a poem about my mother. Like... 
I tend to sit down and things come out of me and then I find out what I was supposed to write about today. So do you sit down with the intention to write or is there something that makes you sit down? Like not in the mm-hmm. sense of I'm going to write about my mother, but there's something that that is a catalyst for you going, okay, I want to write. It depends. I would say there's kind of two two processes that happen. One is that I stuff myself with experience, whether it's in the actual world walking around or whether it's reading a lot of books of poetry, often before bed. Mm. I'll read a lot and then go to sleep and dream, and then when I wake up, there's ideas that want to come out. Um, I'm often very inspired by other people's work. Or sometimes, like I did one semester of grad school for poetry and decided it wasn't for me, but during that semester, I would very consciously carve out three mornings a week where I was like, I will sit down, lock my door, 9 a.m., turn off my internet blocking software, like Mm -hmm. turn off my cell phone and I will sit here and I will write whatever comes out of me. Um, And also I'm a painter and some Mm -hmm. of my poems, in fact, the first poem I read, um, So Many Ways to Be Beautiful, that one, I was sitting down to paint. I mostly am an abstract painter and the words just started coming. I actually started writing them on my canvas and then I was like, wait a moment, this is a poem. And so I like got out my notebook and Mm -hmm. started transferring all the words from the painting onto the notebook and then it became that poem. Do you write with uh, a pen or a pencil or anything like that first? Or how, what's yeah, your... I don't write on my computer. Yeah. I revise on my computer eventually, but usually I write the first three or four drafts by hand. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, I transfer it onto the computer and then I like just twiddle with it. Do you think that has anything to do with being a visual artist? Like having, you know, I like having this brush hmm. in my hand and then maybe I like having this brush of a pen or a pencil probably i mean also for me computers are a pretty sterile place to write mm. i mean i write most of my prose on computers i also write essays and things and those i do generally do on a computer but those are less they're not associative logic mm. those are more like i'm sitting down and i'm going to write this essay about disability justice here we go you know whereas the poetry it just doesn't it doesn't like the sterile format mm-hmm. of a computer screen your paintings are beautiful. I looked up your website and I actually read that poem on... Oh, did you? Yeah, on the website. It's nice to hear it in your voice. Um, can you tell people what your website address is so they can yes, look them up too? I can. It is... I'll say it first and then spell it. It's redwingedjacksbird.net. It's a playoff redwing blackbird. Um, so R-E-D-W-I-N-G-E-D-J-A-C-K-S-B-I-R-D.net. Redwinged. Jacksburg. Yes. Winged, yeah. And dot com? Net. Net. Dot net. Great. I was like saying the ud on yeah, me too. words with ud, like winged mm. or uh, yes. stroked or <laughs> righted. Yeah, stroked sounds a little... Stroked. Yeah, yeah, that's a little creepy. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> um, you're listening to Wax Poetic on Vancouver Co-op Radio 100.5 FM, and our guest today is Jax McNamara. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's jump let's, in for another poem. Yeah, another poem? Let's hear sure. another one. Okay. Um, let's see which Give one. Give people a do. taste so they can come out and hear you tonight at Cafe du Soleil. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to do a poem called Lung Seed. Um, so like on page 14, I was like, wait, that's only relevant to me finding the poem. <laughs> All right. <laughs> read along with me, folks. If you bought my book out there, read along. <laughs> that's pretty funny. All right. Here we go. It was her idea to ask about my gender, and it was my idea to lie. To myself. For a long time, except it was not my idea at all. It is the world's idea. 
that we should lie to ourselves, that we should not find names for experiences that don't fit into boxes. It's an idea that gets inside your own story until you think you made it up. To try to write this still stops my breath, head threatens to detach like an agitated balloon lifting off a secret body. There is a terror to being broken, but there is a terror to never being known. She gave me my new name in November. When the days were filling with rain, it lived on one side of the bay, this name, for a long season of heavy soil and small rooms. In the spring, it began to bud out and scratch the inside of my throat, a lung seed becoming tree, a language determined to grow. In June, I asked the world to use the name by emailing a fact to 93 people. It referenced flapjacks, famous hitchhikers, Wikipedia's take on third gender, and a dog named Jack from young adult science fiction who is as immune to psychotic outbreak syndrome as I one day hope to be. (laughs) One day of euphoria, 30 days of shame, words burning visible across my chest, hunting through every gender book on Amazon for the things that made me spend the morning crying. Genderqueer is on the spectrum of trans. Visualizing the ship of my body casting off from the harbor of woman into something uncertain and so much more vast. Spent the nights reading the things that made me come hard, imagining a power between my legs I had never let myself own. Too much to speak, almost enough to sing, words became brittle, words took on a shine, words hung suspended between notes like raindrops on cobwebs, like small bits of fabric caught in barbed wire fence. Everything is now open for investigation. Shoes, hats, hours, pronouns, years, sweating, belly, hiding breasts, too few names for nowhere and nowhere left to rest a city with a lake for a heart a summer with fog for breath we place our bodies behind microphones we place our bodies on the streets our bodies become words cast off from land navigating silver legible at the edge of a day glitter and the dark unknowing We are the sounds of sex and bird calls, the shape of scars and clothing piled in corners, abandoned, redrawn. We are eyes opened in the morning to angel bones stacked up against a window, silhouettes of change outlined somewhere between war and the future. Angel bones. (laughs) What What do angel bones look like to you? That's a great question, because whenever I read this poem, I'm like... Where did I come up with that? <laughs> with all of the poem or just angel bones? Well, the whole end. The right. end, like, I would never write that if I was consciously trying to decide how to end this poem. This was very much one of those stream of conscience, yeah, yeah, yeah. consciousness poems that, like, I look at it and I'm like, wow, that's really cool. Um, angel bones stacked up against a window. I don't know. What feeling does that evoke in you? When you other than, like, where did I get that come from i mean i remember at the time like i'm sorry i remember at the time you know people who i was in love with and things that were going on and i had this room with these giant sort of my window was sort of a giant french door onto a really shitty balcony that was falling down but i had these giant windows and if people stood in front of them to get dressed they would be outlined and Mm. i would see their silhouette Mm. Um, Ah. and that's where the visual image came from that's good. That's great. Yeah. I love hearing that sort of stuff. Yeah, and I love that this is like a creation creation myth of your name. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like it's telling the story of your naming, right? Yeah, it was an intense and scary thing to change my name. For, oh, I guess I'll 
Yeah, that that would be. Yeah, I grew up in a very conservative part of the country, and um, and was given a very conservative, nice, straight girl name mm. that never felt like me, and it felt like a very visible sign of acknowledging my difference to decide to change my name and not just walk around pretending that I could fit in somehow mm-hmm. to the box I was assigned that never fit at all. And how long has that been then? I changed my name in June of 2009 or 10, right before the U.S. Social Forum. <laughs> I, I like the the um, idea then that that opens everything up for investigation, that you thinking about gender and then changing your name also made you think about all these other things including your body mm-hmm. and the world really and it, your body your clothing the world the way I really liked that idea that's it's uh, really interesting because I think sometimes we don't investigate things that really need investigating mm-hmm. yeah what was there something that surprised you the most when you changed your name that oh I don't even like that thing anymore or like were there, were there things that were directly associated with your prior name that you just accepted as um i don't know liking or eating like say you were you know mm-hmm. maybe you weren't a vegetarian and now you become a vegetarian <laughs> i don't know that's really funny i think for me if I, this may not be a direct answer to a question maybe it's associative logic but um <laughs> but the two things that occur to me are a very abstract one, which is giving up on assimilation. Um, and then a more concrete one around wearing whatever the hell I wanted and not feeling embarrassed by mm. it. <laughs> like I started wearing, I got really into wearing fedoras for a while. <laughs> <laughs> How big? Like, oh, I guess. like all kinds of weird men's hats. Yeah. and Jax like wears fedoras. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's just like... <laughs> funny boots and I got a pair of shiny black men's dress shoes and like yeah it gave me a lot of permission to experiment with how I presented to the world um in ways that were really interesting and then there were things that were way more profound I mean in many ways it felt like that part of my life when I was sort of coming out to myself as genderqueer and to the world was about acknowledging something that had always been there that Mm -hmm. everybody else saw and I always was really uncomfortable with and finally just being like because for years people had told me I had this horrible boyfriend at one point and he I was walking in front of him sometime and I think on a trail or something and he was like you know you walk like a man Mm -hmm. you know and I always like walked like a man but then I can sing soprano my gender's all Mm -hmm. mixed up and um and people would say things over the years like you have a lot of third gender energy Hmm. and I had no idea what that meant and was totally offended by it and when I finally came out to myself as being genderqueer I was like yes I do have a lot of third gender energy I'm not very clearly a boy or a girl what does as a term what does genderqueer mean well it means different things to different people um generally it means identifying with a gender that isn't quite one or the other side of the binary um and for some people that's identifying kind of as both like a boy and a girl for some people it's identifying as neither um or sort of a new gender configuration altogether but it's somewhere that's fluid in between the ends of the binary does that make sense yeah oh yeah, yeah totally i just hadn't yeah i just didn't know i didn't know so yeah i, I wanted to know what it meant that. for you too because it does subtle differences for everyone right mm-hmm. and for some people it involves their sexuality as well and for some people it doesn't mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah. Um, we are almost out of time, so okay. I'd rather we get to hear another poem from you. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Maybe rather, I'll, I don't know rather than what, but... 
<laughs> well, I have I'd a like poem that's called them. Third Gender, so why oh, don't yeah, I do that great. one? Yeah. Seems appropriate. <laughs> uh, you're listening to uh, Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM, and our guest this afternoon is Jax McNamara, who will be leading a workshop at 4 o'clock at Gallery Gachet, and then uh, featuring at the Vancouver Queer Poetry Slam, the annual event at uh, Cafe... No, uh, sorry, I got it back backwards. Gallery no. Gachet no, right. Gallery Gachet, yes, and then yeah. Cafe du Soleil. This evening. Yes. I thought I said, never I thought I had it the other way around. Anyway, we have Jax the McNamara. (laughs) All right. So here we go. This is the poem, Third Gender, Shameless Self-Promotion Pitch from my book, In Between Land, if you're interested. That's that's what the, (laughs) it's not a shameless self-promotion when you're the guest on the radio show. Or when you're on the road, you know. It would be weird if you didn't. No, I don't want to talk about my book. Don't make me talk about my book. (laughs) I need to burn my book right now. Third Gender, one. I remember when I turned my last skirt into a tablecloth because I only wanted to be one gender now and it was not girl. I remember when everything changed and I turned that tablecloth back into a skirt. Two, the red purse was the last present my mother ever gave me. I hid it under the bed and then I got sober and she went into a coma. It was easier to look like a girl when I went back to Virginia. The neighbors liked me with long hair. The purse was actually pretty, and it had good pockets. I carried it to the hospital every day. 3. When I was 17, I wrote a short story about castrating cucumbers. (laughs) After cars of drunk men threw packs of playing cards at me, queen of hearts, ace of spades, they swerved directly at me, 2 a.m., screaming at my tits. When I cut all my hair off two days later, I felt hideous and proud, properly gay and partly invisible. No one screaming now but my mom. Four. They called me Sinead O'Connor. They called me G.I. Jane. They called me crazy and called me Sir when I shaved my head in a foreign country. Small children asked if I was a boy or a girl. The men shouted out shop windows to ask where my hair was. Finally, I gave up. (laughs) and told them I sold it to buy my plane ticket home. They stopped asking why I wasn't married. They stopped asking me anything at all. Five, we had gone to my mother's favorite restaurant, drunk enough wine to be pleasant. We were supposed to be (laughs) celebrating something. When we got home, she burst into tears all over the kitchen counter. All she was thinking at dinner that night was she hoped everyone thought I'd had chemotherapy and that's why I had no hair. (coughs) Six, he told me I'd always had a lot of third gender energy before I knew what that meant. He thought it was a compliment. I thought I was an alien. I don't remember another word he said. I remember going home, putting on a black dress and trying to be beautiful. Seven, now my lover tells me I'm handsome and she tells me I am pretty. Sometimes I open my ribs for her. I bought a black tuxedo vest on eBay. It has one rhinestone button. I will wear it. She will wear a short skirt and a flower in her hair. She calls me her ex-boyfriend, and she calls me a zebra, and she squeals when she discovers my underwear is still covered in hearts. (laughs) (laughs) From the first piece that you read, there was that idea of there's lies, and then there's, um, I can't remember what the next line is, but Mm. the idea of that you don't think you exist because you haven't there isn't been a space for what you mm-hmm. are right mm-hmm. I, and I, I love that that poem makes that space it makes mm-hmm. that space for you and it makes that space for other people right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah 
That's Pam, cool. what sort of announcements do you have? I didn't really look anything up. So um, I've had such a hugely busy week that I know I don't think there's much going on this weekend. Well. I mean, East Van kind of clears out to a certain extent. People go off to Artswells and Base Coast and... Well, there's looking on the but Facebook here. But you probably know. Uh, I don't know. I just looked up on Facebook. There's the Postal Code Reading Series is happening right, tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Tomorrow at the Mount Pleasant Library, uh, starting at seven o'clock. Ellie Crowley Gardner is running that. Clint Burnham will be uh, doing some stuff, lettering with Clint. Yeah, Burnham, they're doing cut-ups of the letters that he sent because they what they've been doing with that whole reading series this year the the thursday's writing collective has been getting writers to send them letters and then they've been doing things with the letters either responding to them in poetry or and i think with this one it's cut-ups oh, that nice. they did of of his stuff and also the queer arts festival is going on mm-hmm. including sorry yeah go ahead uh including tomorrow uh you people who are listening to this program might note floyd v floyd vb and uh, Olivia B. They are part of Alien Sex, which is part of the Queer Arts Festival, and that's their two-person show that they've put together. They did a whole uh, crowdfunding thing for that and made uh, some money and put together this show. They got some grants, and it's debuting tomorrow at the Roundhouse Community Center at seven thirty. And uh, so that's that should be fun. So their two their two-person bit is part of this bigger thing that is yes. Alien Sex. I think there's about eight no, I think, artists. It? There's oh, okay. eight artists involved. And um, it's their they're kind of, yeah, it's their premiere tomorrow, okay. and then they're going to work on it some more. But there's a whole bunch of different uh, multimedia, and but they're, they're definitely one of the big spoken word parts of it. So I'm really looking forward to that. I have a ticket for it because I donated to their, um, their campaign, and I get a free ticket because of that. So okay. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and Jax McNamara is featuring tonight at the Queer Poetry Slam, Cafe de Soleil, 8 p.m. Sign up at 7 o'clock if you would like to read. Uh, this coming Monday is uh, Aaron Sim featuring at the Vancouver Poetry Slam. Again, sign up at 7, show at 8 p.m. Great. That's it. Yeah, right. see, I usually I'm the one who looks things up, and I didn't do that today. That's all right. Uh, thanks so much for being our guest today. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed yourself. Um, and again, Gallery Gachet, at, uh, there's a workshop starting at 4 o'clock or 4-ish. Uh, Jax will be leading that. So if you can, uh, registration in person, online, do you know? In person. just In person. And that's 88 West Cordova, which is right in between Carroll Street and Columbia Street on Cordova, yeah. down in downtown east side. All West right. Corpo, Cordova. Uh, this has been... Oh, are they over there? Oh, they are. Um, Check and make sure. I'm like, where the heck? Yeah, is our new next? studios. We've got like a window through to the other studio where uh, no apologies necessary is waiting to take over, and we just have to give them a little wave. And we'll do that momentarily. We're going to just say goodbye, though. I'm R.C. Weslowski, and I'm Pamela Bentley. You've been listening to Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye for now. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what?